there are a lot of flashy financial things out there. There's, you know, new things like cryptocurrency or flipping real estate or sweaty startups on Twitter. You know, like there's all these things that we could do. We can always be hustling for more. But if more isn't important to you or you're working a job, you know, just to get a promotion and get more money that you hate, is that really what you should be doing? And, you know, finance and life are are very similar in that regard. You know, if you're doing the wrong things or you're not spending time where it's important to you, it's the same thing with your dollars, right? If you're not spending where it's important to you, it it's not going to make you happy, no matter how much of it you have. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to tell a friend. If you've got a friend trying to figure out how to make their life excellent, let them know about the Edge of Excellence because today we have another wonderful guest and your friends may want to hear this person talk. Matt Fizzle is the founder of Harmony Wealth, which is a fee-only financial management company. He's also 2020 Investopedia's Top 100 most influential advisors in America. He's the co-host of his own podcast. You're a financial planner. Now what? You can find him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Matt Fizzle, one Z, two L's, or planwithharmony.com. And Matt is going to talk about excellence coming from no compromises and no regrets. We're going to get deep into the financial planning industry and exactly what it is. Talk a lot about the listening communication skills you need in that industry. He's going to talk about the power of why and the important things around us versus those things happening around us. What's important versus what's happening because it's different. Got a lot of good content for you today. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for making time for the show today and for breaking away from all of those clients and your own podcast to come here and share your words of wisdom about the financial planning industry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. How about yourself? Well, I was telling you before you got on that yesterday on the airplane, I took my wedding ring off and then somehow I dropped it and somehow I didn't realize until I got home. So I am in trouble today, but we won't worry about that. We're going to get down to business. And as we always start the show, well, first, we always have some random tangent and then we get into what is your definition of excellence? Yeah. So this is a really good question and I think it'll vary for everyone listening, but my personal definition of excellence is really just living a life of no compromise and of no regret. And I think um, with that, you know, come a lot of awesome characteristics that'll just help you be successful in life, such as patience, um, you know, being adaptive and being able to, you know, plan ahead and react accordingly versus just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants. But there's, there's some degree of that too. But I would really just in a nutshell say, 
living a life of no regret and no compromise. That's my definition of excellence. So basically, if you're living this life of no compromise and no regret, you develop skills that will make you excellent in other things. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of power of saying no to the wrong things. And I think sometimes, you know, we get caught up in life trying to accumulate all these things or do all these fun projects that we see, but really just finding those things that you would be willing to pursue, like regardless if they turn out well or not, I think there's a lot of patience in that. And if we're doing those things that we really want to do versus, you know, seeing what other people are doing, we're not going to regret those things, right? Like those are the things that we can sharpen our skills and we can develop experience and we can become a professional at, or, um, you know, a very high talented individual. And that's, you know, the definition of excellence by the dictionary route is something that you're extraordinarily good at or exceedingly good at. And I think having no regret and having no compromise in those things is really what breeds excellence when you when you get into whatever it is you do for your craft. Okay, so you're you're another one of those people, and there's a lot of them that are focused on the process and the process of becoming excellent and the methods to do that. And I and I like what you just said. I wasn't thinking of it the way you were thinking of it. I was thinking of the develop the skills. If you have no compromise and no regret, you're not going to hit the snooze bar. No compromise and no regret. You're going to be the best coach at the baseball field. So you have balance, but you're also going to be the best at work. That's how I was thinking of it. But you said you're going to say no to the wrong things. So no compromise, no regret. You're not going to go off and do all the bad drugs that other people are doing because you don't want to regret that. You don't want to compromise. You're not going to go out and you know drive back and forth to LAX till 3.30 in the morning uh, because you dropped your wedding ring on the plane and you need them to go back on the plane and not find it. Okay. So I get it. That, that I, now it makes more sense. At first, at first, I got to tell you, Matt, at first I was a little concerned. I thought maybe you were going down a strange, strange path, but I do get it. And let's get into your path to excellence. And I know you've had quite a long life so far. And uh, those of you that are in your car, go ahead and check out the artwork on Matt. He does not look very old. You've had quite a long life um, and you are one of the top 100 in your industry, as according to Investopedia, top 100 most influential financial advisors. You've got this unique way of working with younger people. So you've gone full virtual. Um, you're geared up towards kind of younger entrepreneurs, taking them through life. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly a financial manager, financial planner, whatever people call it. There's a lot of people that listen to the show that want to get into that business. What exactly you do on a daily basis? What are the skill sets you need to have to have that job? Yeah. So, I mean, just like kind of how I defined excellence, right? Like my job, simply put, is to help people live an excellent or sometimes people like to use the word wealthy life. And what's really cool about, you know, the investment world and financial planning, financial planning is very new in the grand scheme of all professions. You know, yes, we've had investment banking, we've had the stock market for a very long time, but financial planning or 
you know, really just seeing how all these different pieces of our financial life interact with each other is rather new. And it's only been around for about 50 years. So, you know, when you think about other professions like law or medicine or even accounting, those have been around for a really long time. And now we're starting to see this shift of just accessible information, right? So when you think about the investment world, it used to be predicated on being close to the source of information. That's where things like Wall Street came. That's where investment clubs or, you know, having like a real estate group or things like that formed out of, right? Like you had to be close to the information to get that extra benefit. And with the spread of the internet, the increased transmission of information at just an incredible, you know, fast rate, right? We can see now people who can literally influence the stock market with just a tweet. Uh, I won't name names, but I'm sure you all know who I'm talking about. And so that has really eroded the value of some of what, you know, investment professionals do. I'm not saying that active management is dead, um, but really what financial planning is aiming to do is eliminate that part of the conversation. Yes, investments are incredibly important. They help us save. They help us increase our assets and our net worth faster than inflation. And they allow us to continue to buy and experience things that we want to do. But What about all these other areas of our life, right? What about our career? What about our family goals? What about our spiritual relationship? Or if we believe in something that's higher than us, Um, you know, in all these other mechanisms of our life, like how does that interact with finance? And that's really what I do, Matt. It's, It's understanding at the core who the person I'm sitting across the table or in the case of working completely virtually, like across from Zoom, in understanding what makes that person tick, what what are the things that they really want to do? What what job do they really want to do? And how do these financial choices that we're making impact our ability to do those things? And so on a kind of a gritty level, uh, what are the skills you need? So I'm just thinking of, you know, you've got someone that's just not disciplined and maybe they're and it goes against uh, some people's definition of, of excellence. Maybe they're disciplined at work. And some people say you can be excellent in one some things and not others. So let's say they're super disciplined at work and they're successful financially and everybody loves them and they're making a mark on the world, but they're not disciplined with their spending and they're buying ridiculous cars and they're renting private jets and they're going on stupid vacations and they're not listening to you. I imagine that if you're in financial planning, you're, you're not the you're not the boss but you have to convince and lead and monitor. And then they go off and, you know, blow a bunch of money on a party in Vegas. And you're sitting there, wait a second, you were supposed to go put $11,000 in your IRA account. You were supposed to donate your two grand a month. I had somebody on the show that uh, um, is retired, so to speak, at 35, so to speak, which is that people want to be financial planners, flip houses, or retire by 35. So he talked about how when he started off very young, he put two grand a month into uh, some account, but you know, your client's not doing that. So what are the skill sets you need? You got to have the analysis, but what you said, helping people live this excellent life and understanding the customer and what they really want. So what skills are you using to get that done every day? Yeah. So I don't know if curiosity is necessarily a skill, um, but but that would be the first one, right? So it's it's really getting, it's having the good communication skills, the question asking ability to cut through 
the noise that whoever my client may be is experiencing. And, and we live in a world where there's no shortage of noise, right? Like we could both go on Twitter right now and find, you know, a thousand different opinions or ideas to go down a rabbit hole on. And so for me, it's really cutting through all of that and helping the client understand what is important to you, Matt. And I usually do that, you know, through more of a deeper emotional discovery. And I think that's something that we're going to see a lot of research around in the coming years of what is behavioral finance? Like nobody's asking those questions. Nobody's asking, you know, Matt, tell me about your childhood and what money was like growing up for you, because we don't realize that so many of those experiences have shaped our emotional relationship with money and getting to the core of that and understanding what are these areas that may cause regret. You know, maybe it's, you know, everyone wants to have a big number on a piece of paper, but like, what if you don't make it to retirement? What if you don't make it to, you know, age 40 when you want to go work that job and getting to those core questions and understanding what needs to happen today, right? Like it all starts with today in order to help you get to where you want to go. And so being there as an accountability partner, right? Like you said, if if they say they want to do this, you know, donate or add $2,000 to an account on a monthly basis and they don't do it, my job is to get to the core of why that didn't happen, not scold them and discipline them and slap them on the wrist. But, you know, Matt, you said you wanted to contribute $2,000 to that account what got in the way of that or or why didn't that happen this month and let them talk about it and again just going through that diagnostic process of understanding is that really important to you you know maybe they said that because they saw it on twitter or they saw it on facebook or they saw five steps to get rich or five reasons you must have a roth ira but if those articles don't resonate with their why or their purpose they're not going to take action on it and that is the really hard to put a value on piece of the value of a financial planner. And that's not going to show up in your investment returns. That's not going to show up in saving money on your tax return or your insurance. Those are all things we do. But if there's no purpose as to why we're doing those things, clients just aren't going to take action on it. Okay. So the skill set, there's many skill sets you have to be organized. You have to be a hard worker. You have to have good time management, but you're getting into serious high level communication, listening, cutting through the noise, understanding behavioral economics, understanding the Simon Sinek uh, start with why. And I think uh, when we were working together back in the day, we may have read that book or done something in our company together. Well, that's a great summary. And let's back up a little bit because and I don't know how old you are. By the way, when you get as old as I am, first of all, you take your wedding ring off on an airplane and drop it and not realize till you drive home an hour away at at midnight that you have to drive back to the airport. First of all, that happens because you're old and senile in my case. I'm not saying everybody, but also the years blend together. So I don't remember if I was with, I mean, I know it's been a while. Was it seven years ago? Was it 15 years ago? Was it six years ago? We worked together a while ago. When was it? Yeah, I started working with you in 2012, so almost 10 years ago, and I'm 28 staring 30 down the barrel of a gun, Uh, Uh, but I still feel, I don't know, some days, you know, there's some new pains that I'm wondering, where where did that come from? Oh, you are at your prime, boy. You are (laughs) at your prime. Okay, 2012, we worked together. You were already well on your way to success, but let's talk about what you did 
how it was like in high school, how you got into college, um, how you got, I mean, you're, you have your own company, you're a co-host of a huge a podcast, you're one of the top 100 in your industry nationwide at 28 years old. So it doesn't just happen overnight. What was life like in high school? Yeah, life in high school was, it was different um, than it was in college. And, and I only say that I grew up in a town of 2000 people where there were no stoplights. Um, like there's literally not a stoplight in the whole county, graduating class of 48. And so I really just had this environment that I grew up in where everyone just knew who you were and your actions really reflected that. And so you couldn't get away with, you know, gossiping about people for, for crying out loud. My grandma worked at the high school um, for the first you know few years of my high school career. So I, I certainly couldn't be a bad kid there. But uh, what that instilled in me was just to treat people the right way, like speak up for things that you believe in and that you believe are right and help those around you. And um, I also grew up in a single parent household. So, you know, finances were also just something we didn't talk about. And they were always a point of confusion. And it didn't it didn't resonate with me as much as it probably could have until I was a sophomore and junior in college. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a career where you can go help people like figure out their financial problems and their financial anxiety and actually help them realize what's going to make them happy. And it's called financial planning. Like as soon as I learned about it, I was hooked. And, you know, I, I was an athlete in high school, captain of the football team, you know, all the cliche things, but really what it, it came down to and what I learned in high school was you live in a fishbowl. And I know this is something we talked about when we worked together, but everyone sees what you're doing and your actions speak much louder than your words. So you have to deliver when you make a promise to people, you have to know your stuff. You have to know where things are going to be um, for people when they need them. And sometimes you just have to be that person who puts in the extra effort to drive clarity into those situations. And so looking back on my high school career, it's really easy to see where a lot of these skills I developed came from, you know, like, and of course there were bumps along the way in my career, but the groundwork was all set in high school. So, uh, uh, before you moved to the metropolis of Madison, were you aware that, you know, the fact that everybody knew, knows who you are was changing, changing who you are, you know, doing right by others because we're in such a small community, you know, I've got a single parent, we're missing this. Were you aware of all that or were you sitting there going, I just want to get out of this town. This is too small for me. I need to move on. Yeah, I really wanted to get out. And it's funny because the longer I've distanced myself from that, I just like to use the joke. Every reason I left is every reason I go back. And I know I didn't come up with that, but it's a simpler life back there. And I think when we're young, you know, we want to experience things, experiencing things, experiencing the right things um, is very good. And sometimes some of those not so great things do help you refine and develop what you want going forward. So it, it's not to say that. Madison was a great change for me, but it helped me learn a lot of things. It helped me learn about a lot of things that weren't going to make me happy. Ah, ah the, gra the grass is always greener on the other side. So, yeah. and I think it's interesting because someone's driving in their car right now and they're also from a small town and they're sitting there griping. And I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, gripe, 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 gripe. And then one day you realize that, you know, your life is like a humong a series of just millions of experiences. 
and certain experiences repeat themselves, but it's millions of experiences. And so over time, you know, you say something wrong at school and everybody knows, or you do something that maybe isn't great and everybody knows. And over time, these little experiences start to stack up almost like little thin cards over thousands and thousands and thousands of them. But when you look back at a, in your thirties, you know, most people that listen to this podcast are in their twenties, hoping to be able to look back and be proud in their thirties, but you're driving along and you're thinking, oh, my little town or my big town, I wish it was better. The grass is greener. But all these little experiences that were have make up who you are and pretend prepare you for whatever you're going to do. And if you didn't live in a fishbowl, you wouldn't be able to have your podcast and you wouldn't be able to uh, probably have the reputation you have um, if you didn't grow up in a fishbowl. If you didn't have that, was it a single mother or single father? Single mother. If you didn't have the single mother who wasn't talking to you about finances and at, t- at the time, it seems like a pain or at the time you might be ignorant of it, but looking back, what a wonderful experience it was for you to have a mother didn't talk to you about finances. What a wonderful experience it was for you. The first time you did something wrong for everyone in town, including your grandmother to know. And so you move out of this small town into Madison, Wisconsin. You went to university of Wisconsin, right? Yep. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. So you move to this town where the school has 40,000 people, beautiful town though. That is one heck of a beautiful town. And how did life change? What happened there to prepare you for this illustrious career? Yeah, so I would say like a few pieces of my life changed, but honestly, the same thing kind of played out. Like over, if I were to summarize the four years, like I was distracted by a lot of the flashy things, like, you know, being able to go to concerts. Like we didn't have concerts in a town of 2,000 people. (laughs) Um, You know, being able to just like be you did. You did have concerts, but they sound like this. Doing, 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 doing. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. My first concert was the Oak Ridge Boys well, in a metal barn. In a metal don't, barn. Don't date yourself, Matt. Come on. We, Nobody we knows know. who the Oak Ridge Boys are. <laughs> Give me a break. How about Oingo Boingo? I'll throw that one out there. Nobody knows who that is either. But, you know, I would say, you know, there were a lot of things that were just distractions to me. And that was the biggest change. But I realized that I really operated in about the same way. I found, you know, five to 10 really close friends who I didn't really go outside of that friend circle. Um, We've all now been, well, not all of us. Some of us are still not married, but we've all been in each other's weddings. Like anytime someone's got married, it's been the same five to 10 groomsmen. Like that's so cool. And that is so true about who I was in high school, but, you know, the distractions of, you know, the, the, the fancy watches and the suits and the, the concerts and the restaurants and the bars, like all these things were just thrown at me. And I was so not prepared for it. Like we just didn't have that stuff where I grew up and, and what I really, really realized, and I'm not, you know, crucifying any of those things. Like if going to fancy restaurants is your thing or going to concerts or whatever it may be, like, it's okay. It's it's okay to have your thing. Like we all have our things, um, but those weren't my things, and those weren't important to who I was as a person or what I needed to experience in order to be happy. And I think going through that experience, you know, we all joke about the quarter life crisis. I know some people joke about a midlife crisis, but the quarter life crisis is very much a real thing. And those are those moments where maybe we weren't as selective or as good at filtering out what was important to us versus what was happening around us. And with that statement right there, that is exactly 
what I do as a financial planner, right? There are a lot of flashy financial things out there. There's, you know, new things like cryptocurrency or flipping real estate or sweaty startups on Twitter. You know, like there's all these things that we could do. We can always be hustling for more, but if more isn't important to you or you're working a job, you know, just to get a promotion and get more money that you hate, is that really what you should be doing? And you know, finance and life are are very similar in that regard. You know, if you're doing the wrong things or you're not spending time where it's important to you, it's the same thing with your dollars, right? If you're not spending where it's important to you, it it's not going to make you happy, no matter how much of it you have. And so drawing back on that experience really unlocked a lot of those abilities to have these conversations with my clients. Like it was a lot of self-reflection and self-awareness and not again crucifying or penalizing or scolding people for making those decisions that didn't make them happy but having empathy for them instead and when you have those skills they just make you a better person and allow you to you know navigate your career in a in a more profitable way for everyone so interesting uh, the, the you, you made me want to go back to college now all of a sudden and I just was in New Orleans uh, yesterday, my son goes to school in New Orleans, having dinner with him and his friends. Now, not only do I want to go back to New Orleans because I already miss my son, like I, it was the minute I got in the car, I started missing him. So now I want to go back to college at Tulane, live in the dorm room uh, down the hall from my son. And it re-experienced this because that's what the college is all about. People think it's to go get your degree or to party. It's about developing self-awareness. And I love what you said, important to us versus happening around us. So you're there in that unbelievable, if you've never been to Madison, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin is beautiful. So you're in this beautiful town with the lakes and the hills and the trees and the cheese curd, and you're having a great time and your football team's winning some games. I think I don't care about sports, but I think they win games. And you realize, oh, this isn't what matters to me. This is, and that isn't, and this is. And so college is about developing the idea of what's important to you versus what's happening around you. And then also figuring out what to do. So you came into college and you hadn't heard about financial planning before. And you didn't even know it was a career. You said earlier, you didn't know um, that you wanted to do it, but you're looking and figuring out what's important to you. And how did you come across financial planning? Um, it was actually a really crazy thing. Um, I was... I was in my second year of being an engineering student. And, you know, why did I choose engineering? Well, A, I am analytical. I like understanding how things work. Both of those still work in my finance job, by the way. But a part of it was like, at the time, the narrative that was being pushed was, oh, STEM, like science, technology, engineering, math, like those are good careers to get into. They're going to give you a salary. Like, and I think a lot of people approach college like that, like what is going to help me make this a good choice, right? Um, and so while I enjoy engineering and I still like digging into technical things and understanding how things work, I got to second semester calculus and physics and I was like, oh my God, I do not want to do this for a living. Like, and plus I like to talk to people at that time, you know, we had been working together. I, I had that nervous college kid kind of, you know, pushed out of my life and developed some communication <laughs> skills and some confidence. And I realized I like talking to people and engineers don't do a whole ton of that. And so it was that. And then actually at the time when I was going through college, college works, when, when we were still doing that together, I had lent my mom some money to go buy a house. 
I think you told me that before. Yeah, yeah. You did so, tell me that. And so that unfolded in not the best of ways. Um, she ended up you know, foreclosing on the home. I never got my money back. And I had to realize like what was going on inside of me internally. Like, why was I feeling this frustration? Uh, why was I feeling this anger? And then just realizing that it wasn't something that my mom did to harm me, but she just wasn't educated and she didn't know she didn't know the complexity of those things. She wasn't the best at budgeting. And when I felt that very real experience, I started to look back even further into my family history. And it's, you know, perfect timing as we're recording this. We're about a week away from the, I guess it would be the the 46th anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which you know, our audience might be too young to remember, but very famous shipwreck. No, you just you just lost the entire audience. Oh, did I? Okay, come on back now, audience. Edmund Fitzgerald is a cool subject. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a very famous shipwreck um, that happened on Lake Superior in 1975, and, and my grandfather went down on that. And so, oh. uh, my mom lost her father when she was eight. You know, seven or eight, however old she was back then, and. That set up the catalyst for all of her emotional attachment to money. And when I started to draw back on those things and just look at the other members of my family who had experienced the same thing, I was like, well, that explains why people make financial decisions. Like, it's not just logical on a piece of paper, like my engineer brain would like to think about it. And so when I realized then that there were other people around me who were talking about like this personal finance major or financial planning at UW-Madison, and I just started doing some reading into it, I'm like, wait a minute, like you can actually plan this stuff out? Like what's a financial advisor? We didn't have one of those. Like, and the more research I just did on my own, like I was just, this is what I have to do. How old were you when you loaned your mom this money? <sighs> I must've been 20. So you were 20, you're an engineering major. And because of this experience, you then started to realize that there are people that are figuring out how to communicate. There are people figuring out how to discover your why. There's people that meet with you on a regular basis to help you to develop the discipline. That happens two years into college for you. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it sounds like and you change oh, your major. Yeah. And it sounds like, oh, Matt had this like epiphany moment and it was this beautiful thing, but it's like. I really learned in that moment that usually in the tougher times of life when like everything's crumbling around you, like the things that stick out are the things that you should build back up upon. And so many times I think we get caught up in like failure being a bad thing, but what what is left over when you've failed, right? Like usually the people who are around you, like your core values, like you'll always have somewhere to fall back on. And when those moments happen, it's all about starting fresh and building on top of those key things in our lives that still remain when everything else has crumbled around us. Good or bad, right? So in tough times, you look at what's still there, good or bad. Um, so uh, you, you have some problems financially and you're, you know, with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your fiance, your whatever your significant other is, and all of a sudden you start fighting a lot because you're letting the stress get to you and and that fighting and that stress and that inability to handle stress and that inability to control your emotions carries through after the fact just like 
you had your retirement account discipline and you still kept putting 500 bucks a year in it, even though you had no money, you wanted to keep your discipline that, you know, that's good, a good and a bad in the same situation. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, in tough times, whatever stands out good or bad, that's what I need to develop, build on, maybe fix. It's a signal to you. So it's a shining light. So you're in this little bit of a tough time. You probably realize that uh, you need you need forgiveness in your life. Uh, you discovered your mom's emotions. Uh, wonderful on you, by the way. How zen is that? Instead of getting upset, you think, what caused this? And you start to see that there's opportunity for you to become excellent. You're not going to compromise. You're not going to have regrets. You're not going to be emotional. You're going to see what stands out and build on it. And so you're at school two years into engineering degree, and you realize, I want to build on this thing called financial planning because it would have helped my mom. It would have helped me in this situation. I've got this, this engineering brain, but I'm not liking the actions of engineering. I like the give and take with people. And then you switch your major, and then what happens? So switch the major, um, graduate in 2015, so December 2015, and start my career um, in what I thought was a financial planning job, but was really an insurance sales job. And again, there's nothing wrong with insurance sales or insurance products, like we need those things, but the internal conversations that were going on inside of that company and how products were being positioned to people made me just feel really gross. And I think you know, that that's very true with anyone in anything. Like if you don't believe in what you're doing, you're not going to feel comfortable doing it. And that's like your greatest signal, right? If something feels off, it probably is like your, your next step is to figure out what feels wrong and find the right place for you to be. And again, that's a piece of how I work with my clients. You can hear the burnout when it starts to happen. I was certainly there. I distinctly remember my manager coming in and saying like, Hey, how much whole life and annuity did you write this week? And I was like, well, wait, like, you don't even know who these people are. Like, how can you, how can you say that's what we should do for this client? And, you know, we had some friction there. I probably didn't handle it in the best way because I was 22, hot shot out of school with my CFP and all that good stuff. But, you know, I look back at that experience and, and that really solidified for me, like, okay, I can't be here. And I actually almost Again, I had one of those kind of crumbling moments, that quarter life crisis 2.0, um, where I was like, do I even want to do this? Like, did I just get this degree and this is what it is? Like, it's just sell people a bunch of insurance that they don't need. Like, I don't want to do this. And so, again, through that, like, I had a moment where I had to, again, go back to self awareness and self discovery and start looking outside of the bubble that I was in, connecting with people, sharing my story being vulnerable and letting people pour into me when I needed it. And through that, I found the fee-only financial planning side of the profession, which is what I do now, where it's just, instead of charging based on a commission or a product you sold, it's just fee for advice. Like I'm not locking you into a 10-year product. And if you take your money out before you're penalized for it, like if you think I suck, which I don't, um, you know, you can just fire <laughs> me. We tear up the contract and you're on your merry way. Um, and so when I found that, it was really just, again, like about connecting and being open and honest with the people who I was starting to connect with now, sharing my story. And that just set off this crazy, crazy chain of events where people connected me with who helped me become a co-host on that podcast and who eventually helped me, you know, get in touch with really big profile people in 
our industry to help me get that top 100 nomination and to ultimately win it. And through those experiences and just learning and being curious and being vulnerable and knowing that what works today might not work tomorrow has allowed me to make these changes as needed, which eventually led to me starting my own firm. Okay. So that's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Tough times. So as you're, as in your prior point, you're using these tough times for self-discovery and self-awareness. So you're 23 years old, you're out of college, you're driving down the freeway right now, somewhere in Wisconsin. You're thinking about how beautiful Madison is and you're hearing Matt talk right now. Maybe you're in tough times. How do you take these tough times? And you know, some people are good at it, some people aren't. I think it's a skill set. How do you take a tough time and turn it into a learning experience? How do you take a tough time and create self-discovery, self-awareness. How do you take a tough time and make a tough time the best thing that ever happened to you? Yes. So I, I honestly, Matt, this is really funny. I was just talking to my my Bible study at, at church this morning. We're talking about decision-making for the whole next two months. And we were talking about emotions today and emotional decision-making. And so that's where I want to go with this, right? Like when things are falling around us, and there's a lot of noise. There's a, sometimes smoke and dust and rubble. Like it's really, really hard to see what's around you or where you should go next when everything is just in utter chaos. And so my biggest piece of advice, and this is true with financial decision-making too, with any big decision that you may be feeling with your emotions that you have to make is give yourself time and space, right? If you're if you're in a snowstorm going down that highway, especially, you know, if you're here in Wisconsin, it could happen at any moment, right? Like you can't see around you, but if you just keep focused on the road and give yourself some time to get where you need to be or where your destination is or what direction you were heading in before all this broke out around you, you will see through it. You will get to the outside, be able to look back and say, whoa, that was crazy. Like, what should I do next? And just give yourself time to make those decisions. And I think that's goes back to my point about patience and um, little side tangent, but I don't do new year's resolutions anymore. I know a lot of people, especially like at the time of this podcast might be thinking about, you know, what about next year? What can I do better next year? Well, what can you do better today? And like, what is something you can build today that you can build upon again, the year after that. And last year in 2020, my word that I chose to focus on was patience. And the best quote that I came across for patience was patience is the manifestation of pursuing those things you would only pursue if you were to get nothing in return. And that goes back to what I said about my definition of excellence in if you're pursuing things that you will only pursue, even if it means nothing comes of it, you're not going to have any regrets. You're not going to feel like you're compromising. Because you're not trading something to pursue something, you're just going for it. And you really don't care what happens next. And that's going to make the journey a lot easier to endure when things get tough. Yeah, and I think that it's even if. So you, you're not out pursuing things that you'll get nothing from necessarily. You need to go work and have a job. But even if you didn't get paid, you'd still do it because you love it so much. Yeah.
Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Let's back up a little bit again because we didn't talk about um, you ended up with these great careers. You ended up, you know, two or three great careers simultaneously. You ended up being a leader in your industry. What did you do? And we can talk about when we work together if you want, but I know you did a few things. You had to do something big to get into the company, college works working with me. What did you do to get, you know, in, in college to set yourself up? And how did some of those skills from those jobs parlay into this financial planning career? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just like put yourself out there and and don't be afraid about it. Um, don't and that that was a really hard skill for me to learn. Like, um, and going back to the transition from high school to college, like everyone just knew who I was, and I didn't have to put myself out there. Like it was just a known fact, a known quantity. Like when you grow up with people for eighteen years, they've just seen it all. Um, but you have to be willing to share and be open with people and let people come in and let people ask questions about those tough things that you may have experienced, because those are the stories that stick with people. Those are the things that when you share them, people are like, oh, this person, like they've actually thought about these things. Like they know why those moments in their life have shaped where they're going. And that's what people really care about. And that's how you can show that you really care. Um, When I came to college, I just thought everyone knew who I was, you know, like, and, and that was a huge mistake. And there were some tough times of just like, developing those friendships. Once I found my people, like entrusted those people, it was, it was so easy, but finding those people or finding that next thing, especially if you're looking at doing like a career change or starting a business, like you need to go talk to people who are doing what you want to do or what you feel passionate about doing and just know that you're not going to know it all and just be okay with that. And Having that curiosity layer to all of those conversations that you're having with those people is so important. Don't come just trying to extract or to gain tactics from people, right? You can look everything up that I do for my clients on the internet. Like my power is knowing when to apply certain things and when to forget about certain things, right? And that's true with any professional matter. You know, even when we're back painting houses, right? Like you needed to know when to use stain versus paint. Like to the average Joe, that sounds really simple, but sometimes it's not that simple, you know, or you have complications that pop up and that's, that's life. It's complicated and messy. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, we now know when we worked together and it was nine years ago, right? Yeah. And I didn't realize the house, the, the loaning your mom, the money for the house happened before we worked together, but there's been 40,000, at least 40,000 people that went through that college works program. And every once in a while, I'll have these podcast moments where, you know, I haven't seen somebody for a few years or whatever it is. 
and they'll mention something and I'll remember the conversation. I remember the conversation. Yeah. I think it was in Mexico in Cancun where you told me about the house. And I remember thinking, what? He had enough money to loan his mom money for a house. And I remember your patience. Just interesting. So that's, I mean, that's thousands of people ago. And that trip to Cancun, there was probably 200 people sitting on the beach or wherever we were talking at the same time. But that conversation, I remember, I keep having that happen on the podcast. I had this guy, Devin O'Dowd on, and I remember his conversation. All of a sudden, you'll say something. Well, I mean, what an amazing communicator you must be, right? What an amazing, passionate communicator you must be. So you're working through the noise. You're doing the College Works gig. What'd you do before College Works to get you the College Works job? I... Let's see. I think I started that my sophomore year. I, I actually didn't do a ton my freshman year. I mean, I just, I really, what you, able- you, you, you don't get to go work at college works if you've never had other jobs. It's one of the oh, tougher so, jobs so, in I the mean, country to get. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the big thing, I guess I, w- I was thinking in college terms, not prior mm-hmm. college yeah. terms, but I've always had the entrepreneurial itch. Like I have I guess like my first job was mowing lawns for people when Mine I was too. Mine too. 14 and 15 years old like and, and it's it's so true of everything in this world like and, and grass cutting is such an easy analogy but there's there's lawns everywhere like and nobody unless you're someone like me like who enjoyed doing that like I still think mowing the grass is relaxing like I, I never want to hire someone to mow my grass because I like doing that but well, when you talk on the phone for a living <laughs> uh you don't get a lot of uh finality finality so mowing the lawn when it goes from looking horrible to good sometimes you need that immediate gratification sense of accomplishment especially if you're living a life where you have no regrets and you're as disciplined as you are yeah yeah but going back to that i mean that's that's what you have to realize is true about everything in life there is infinite opportunity out there i'm of the abundance mentality that's a big thing but that's a whole other podcast that we could go through and i'm sure you have plenty of those but you know that there's infinite lawns out there that need to be cut the grass always grows back but there are few and far between who are willing to go buy a lawnmower to go knock on a door and say hey can i cut your grass or hey do you have anyone cutting your grass or hey do you like cutting your grass you know some form of that um and that's so true about everything that we work in and if you're doing a job now and you don't like it and you see something that you want to do it's really easy to feel like oh they have enough people like they have you know, there's, those jobs are all filled, whatever it may be, like, go start talking to people and don't go with the expectation. Remember, no expectations for patients. Don't go with the expectation of getting a job interview or getting a job or immediately being connected to someone who can give you a job. Just go with your genuine, no regret, no compromise approach to the conversation to learn from the conversation, to ask about the things you're passionate about. And that will just start opening doors. You know, it's not like I reached out to one person who happened to give me a co-host spot on the podcast. No, it, it was a series of conversations that led me to a Facebook group who the head of the Facebook group is the person who ultimately brought me on as a co-host. But I was actually on the podcast as a guest many, many, many months before. I think it was even a year and a half before. And over time, I just kept reaching out and saying, hey, like, I loved that. Have you heard this story? Like, have you heard about this person's story? Because I was just talking to people. And she's like, well, do you just want to be a co-host? Like, you seem to be having a lot of these conversations. You were uh, living a life of no compromise and no regret. 
while trying to impact others. You forgot that in your definition of, of excellence because it's in there. Um, so you're trying to help them out and they say, hey, and I find that a lot too. Palm down giving, that means you want nothing back. I think a lot of, not a lot of people, some people want something back, but palm down giving when you're just genuinely doing it to better the world, people notice it. So they're seeing you help them out. Just being a nice person, karma, what comes around goes around. So they see you're out there just helping the world. And they say, well, if you're helping the world this well for free, if you're helping the world this much with no credit, why not come on board and help the world with me together as you know your second or third uh, side gig? And you have no regrets as you go through this process that you go through because it's about doing your best, right? You're you're trying to do the best. You're trying to help others do the best. So I know the answer to my question. You didn't really answer it in, in, in a straightforward way. You got the job with me because you were an actor and not an actor in Hollywood. You were a person that takes action. So you're not the person that's sitting there watching other people make 20 bucks a lawn mowing the lawn you're going out there and knocking on the doors. You're not the person watching the other people help someone out. You're helping someone out. And if you're driving in your car right now, listening, oh, by the way, I figured out during this podcast why I suggest listening to this podcast on 1.5 speed, because I use two words for every one word I should use. <laughs> and my summary of what you said is longer than what you say. It's unbelievable. I need to pare down my verbiage. But you're driving in the car, listen to me talk way too much. And maybe you're not an actor. It's never too late. Maybe there's something that you want to do that you haven't done. It's never too late. Maybe you want to be excellent and you haven't done the things that Matt did in high school or some of the other guests did in high school or Matt did in college or some of the other guests did in college and you're 25. It's never too late to start. You can start right now, right? Living a life of no compromise, living a life of no regrets. But speaking of no regrets, what sacrifices did you make in your early years that you absolutely would encourage yourself to take and that you never regret? That's a really good question. Um, you know, honestly, I look back at that first job and it's really easy to look back and say that sucked. but. If I wouldn't have gone through that process and had that burnout at that job, I never would have felt, you know, I could, I probably could have been happy there forever. You know, the, it, the money wasn't horrible. I'm sure I would have gotten a promotion over time. It was a growing large company. Um, but if I wouldn't have had that negative experience, it wouldn't have pushed me to go search outside of my bubble. And so I think that's true with a lot of things. Like I don't regret, you know, not doing all the normal habits. Like I, I don't regret missing Packer games or missing a Badger game. You know, like I don't miss those things that in the moment sound like a big deal, but they're really not. And I, I think that's just something I've really carried through with me my whole life. Like when things don't go wrong, right for me um, and they all go wrong, like I, I really value those experiences. I don't, and I left out in my story too. I, I did spend two years in Dallas uh, working for a firm that I thought was going to be a good long-term fit, but it just wasn't. And moving my whole life to Dallas and then back in 18 months, especially through a pandemic and all the other crazy stuff that happened when I was there, like a flood and uh, tornadoes and all that stuff. Like, I don't regret that one bit because it put me in touch with the right people who needed to pour into me at that moment and allowed me to eventually say like, hey, I've been doing this long enough. I'm sick of trying to be a fit in other firms. I'm just going to go start my own and serve the people I want to serve. And so 
that's the thing too, with all of these conversations we've had about not living a life of regret or compromise, you have to realize that your priorities are going to change over time. You're going to have new interests. You're going to have new curiosities. New things are going to be developed. And it's okay to let go of what you're doing now if it's no longer what you want to do for the rest of your life. And that is something that is so hard um, in this interconnected world because you have to deal with the, oh, what is so-and-so going to think? Or, oh, what are my parents going to think? Or, you know, what is my boss going to think? It's your life, It's your life. Live it. Yeah. As a, a job of passion, I coach people on getting into college also for free. Um, and I tell them, I start off with, let's just start off with this. It doesn't matter because they wind these kids up that you have to go to one of these 10 schools and they all only know of those 10 or 20 schools. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They've even done studies now that 10 years out of Harvard versus 10 years out of Cal State Fullerton or whatever school they use, you know, the income was about the same. It doesn't matter. It matters that you find a place that you're going to thrive in like you did in Madison or I did in Santa Barbara. And the other thing I talk about is all my negative experiences. I've had some big ones. You know, I, I've had, you know, nearly, well, I've had to lose all my money a couple of times, which I don't recommend doing. Uh, but sometimes that happens in the entrepreneurial world. And I look at those as my, my MB, my expensive MBAs. And you know, if you, at the time you don't like it, but now I've gotten to the point where I'm almost as Zen as you. And as I'm experiencing horrible things, I'm thinking about how awesome it is because I know what I'm going to get out of it. And, and, and by I, the way, and I, I, my last job I had at the Harbor restaurant in Santa Barbara with Paul Jakubowski, that was the, the job that caused me to decide to never work for anybody again. That's what put me in. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. That wasn't a word we used back then in that place. Um, and so I figured it out based on a bad experience. That was one of the best experiences of my life, right? Well, I love the word you just used there about five times, Matt. It's experience. It's yeah. experience. Like we don't, everyone gets caught up on the wrong E word, the efficient yeah. word. Um, and that's what I hate the most about the financial world, right? Like there's always going to be lower fees, higher returns, better ideas, like more efficient things out there. But who cares? Like if you're not living the life you want to live, you know, and I had a great example of this with the client just a couple of weeks ago, like his current advisor was saying, just keep saving X percent into your 401k, like you're on track for retirement. His, his advisor was not hearing that this particular individual wanted to start a business. Well, locking all your money up in a 401k that you can't touch until you're 59 and a half is not going to help you move any closer to that goal. Now, again, there's finding the balance or as I named my firm, harmony. There's finding the harmony and how all these things work together and what levels each thing needs to be at along the way. But we don't know if we're going to make it to retirement. And I think COVID shook a lot of people in that, in that sense, like, you know, our mortality was very real for the first time in a long time. And I think that's causing like these mass exoduses from these big companies. And the fact that like what the, 50, the great resignation. Yeah. The great resignation or the great reshuffle as they were calling it, you know, with the people moving from California to Texas. And it's just like, life changes, you know, and, and what works today. And that's why I will always have a job, right? I, I don't, I don't want to diminish the value I provide, but our world changes so freaking fast that you just can't, you can't plan for 40 years from now. And, and that's what I provide to my clients, you know, it's just 
that that expert to come back to who's eating, breathing, and sleeping this stuff so that when the world changes or your world gets flipped upside down, like we know how to proceed forward. You know, my job's not to be the most efficient by the book. It's to be most efficient for you. And I want people to extract that, not as a sales pitch, but take that lesson and apply it to all the decisions you're making in your life. What is the most efficient thing for you? Not what other people are saying is the most efficient thing. And you know what, Matt? I know you didn't come here to find clients. I know you came here to help me out and help uh, the world's 20-somethings out. But I do just because probably there's people listening that wouldn't mind being one of your clients. How do people find you and how do they find Harmony Wealth? Yeah, so I would suggest um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I don't really use Facebook or Instagram much. I just, I, I guess I'm becoming a boomer in that sense. Like I just don't, I don't really understand those platforms anymore, but super active on Twitter, super active on LinkedIn. Of course, you can come to the website, planwithharmony.com and just reach out. You know, it's right there in the in the scheduling tool. That first call is never a sales call. I don't even know if I can help you. And if I can't, I've certainly connected with plenty of awesome advisors who are doing things what I would say are the right way. And I'd be happy to make a connection. I'm not here to have a billion dollar firm. I want to work with awesome people who are on board with the mission of of what we're trying to accomplish together. And if you're not a good fit, I'll be sure to help you out and find someone who's doing it the right way that that can best serve you. So they can go to planwithharmony.com. They can talk to you about their future career to compete with you because you're a nice person. You'll help them understand what they need to do to compete with you. They can talk to you about their own financial situation because they did buy a lot of cryptocurrency and they just made $60,000 and they're going (laughs) to sell it because what goes up does come down in cryptocurrency. Uh, What's your LinkedIn and Twitter handles? Uh, so you can just find me Matt Fazell on LinkedIn, and it's actually at Matt Fazell for Twitter as well. So uh, if you want to see just what I'm thinking about, what ideas I have in my head, those are good spots to do it. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for making time, for letting me run a little long, for sharing all your insight, for sharing all your passionate stories, for sharing your life of no compromise and no regret. We really appreciate you today. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. It was it was a pleasure and uh, happy to help however I can going forward and would love to come back sometime. Okay, I will remember that. Be careful, I will remember that. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.